Welcome to a special edition of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week during Advent, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church will share in a conversation with members from our very own faith community. Our goal is simple. We want to share encouraging Christ-centered stories of hope, love, joy, and peace. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome, friends, to episode 12 of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. We are in our Advent at Home series, and uh, this is our uh, our recording, our episode on love. And who doesn't love love? Everyone loves love. We throw the word around all the time, and yet, uh, as we've been reflecting on it together here, uh the meaning of love from the biblical perspective is uh, it's far deeper than often sometimes we give it credit for. And so uh, we want to dive into that conversation today. We are so glad to have everybody here at the table with us. Uh, Angie Brenneman, our family ministry pastor. Chris Knight, our lead pastor. Hi, I'm Joel. I'm the executive pastor here at Wakarusa Missionary Church. And we're super excited for our guest, our, our guest of honor, we'll say, Ruth Schaefer. Good to have you, Ruth. Thanks for being with us. Hello. It's good to be here. Ruth shared her story, kind of a condensed version of her story with us this past Sunday as we've been walking through uh, Advent, uh, a a story that I I think for many of us, um, well, it, it seems like it's one of those stories where it seems as though the impossible was accomplished and, uh, and really highlighted the power of love to overcome things, but first and foremost, the power of God's love to overcome and to, to example and to show us. And then uh, the power of that love to uh, rescue, renew and uh, revive uh, a relationship and a marital relationship in your case. So Ruth, we're just going to dive right in and start off with the first question that we have. Just, I want you to tell us a bit, a little bit about uh, your early years growing up, uh, mm-hmm. what life was like for you, um, what was important to you, what what were the kind of the key experiences that you would say kind of formed who you were as a young person, and then we're gonna we're gonna really follow your whole life story after that. So let's okay. let's get going. All right. So growing up, um, I'll start way back. My mom and dad grew up Amish, both of them. So. English is my second language. That's a fun little tidbit. Um, We went to a conservative Mennonite church. So it was a lot of what music you listen to, what clothes you wear, how long your skirts are, what, you know, the size of the covering that you wear. Um, It felt much more follow the rules and then you're good. Um, Now, that was my experience. I'm sure that some people that were at that same church, you know, did not have that same experience. Um, As far as Christianity, it felt more, you know, just follow the rules. It was not so relational. Um, At home, we did, you know, we'd have devotions every night before we went to bed. And, you know, we'd pray. And, yeah, so, I mean, there was some relationship there. I just didn't. It was tough for me to grab onto that, I think, is kind of the general feeling that I had. It was, you know, you know you're supposed to read your Bible and have devotions on your own and have kind of a quiet time per se. And But to know how to do that on your own, I didn't know what that looked like. 
You said you were saved when you were 11 and baptized yes. at 13, correct? Yes. So in that um, time frame, you had an understanding of who God was, who Jesus yes. was in your life, and that you desired to have relationship with him, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Okay, yes. so jump ahead a little bit. You graduate from high school, right? Yes. And so after high school, where do you go? I started a job as a nanny. Um for the couple that had the bakery here in Wakarusa. So if you remember that, I worked for them and they would bring me cinnamon rolls and I was a happy camper. (laughs) Um, But growing up, once you graduated high school, I mean, at our church, it was just kind of taken for granted that you would be part of a ministry opportunity of some kind. And so I was looking for something to do. There was a couple different opportunities that I had. Um, the one that opened up was to go to the camp, and it was working with kids, and I really enjoyed that, and so that's where I went. So you went to camp, and you were 18 years old, correct? You graduated and went up to New York. Yes, I was 19. When you went up there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, during these... Um, times what kind of motivated the decision i hear that i hear this and you wanted to serve you wanted Mm -hmm. to make a difference in the world that kind of thing what other things maybe in your relationship with god motivated you to move east was it motivated more by the kind of the expectation versus the relationship a little bit yes yeah it was just expected that that's kind of what you did yeah and it was just kind of laid out there yeah yeah it was just that's what you did. So yeah. that's that's kind of what I did. And it was all motivated with um, how can we serve God by the things that we do, you know, and, uh, you know, more than just your regular life because, you know, the expectation was also there. You graduate high school, you go do a year or two of volunteer service somewhere, and then you get married and have kids, and that's your life. Mm-hmm. And I just expected that would be my life because that's what I saw modeled. That's what I thought was going to happen. During this time, I just, I want to throw this out there. And I think um, Joel and Chris would agree with me. What was your vision and understanding of who God was and who he is to you at that point? Can you give us any kind of background in that? He was just there. He was somebody that told you what to do. And you just kind of did it. It didn't matter if you wanted to or didn't want to. You just did it. Um, when you say did it, I, I that's the whole idea that you, the rules, the regulations, yes. the yeah. expectations. Yeah. So so let me say it like this. Is it possible to say it this way? Uh, you had a head knowledge of God, but yes. perhaps not a transformed heart. Yes. Yeah. 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 So as you went out east, um, what kind of decisions, maybe a series of small little decisions or big decisions made to get you to this um, point that you uh, shared about on Sunday? Can you kind of lead us into that? Are you talking about being pregnant? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So I got out there and it was a whole other world. So I grew up surrounded by grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins who were Amish. And my friends at church were conservative Mennonite like me. My friends at school were old brethren. So it was very, very conservative. You know, just that's what I was surrounded with. And then I go out to this place where I am the only person who wears a skirt. I'm the only person who wears a covering. There was, you know, so all of a sudden I am challenged by... But we still love God. 
we look different than you, we do different things than you, we still love God. And so that really kind of, you know, I it, it kind of let me know that I could get away from all of the rules and still be a Christian. But in that getting away from the rules, I went too far and was like, oh, here's this guy. And we spent a lot of time together just we were pretty much the ones that were there full time. Uh, most of the other staff that kind of came and went, there was a couple of married couples that lived there on site. And the rest of the staff that was there was just kind of summertime staff, you know, for the camp season. And then they would all leave. And then for like the winter time, it was just us and, you know, one or two other single guys that were there. And so we spent a lot of time together. Um, and eventually I was kind of like, eh, he's cute. And, you know, then as things do, yeah. you know, you just make some bad choices and all of a sudden you're like, I'm having a baby. And that's a scary thing. Yeah. And so then, how, go ahead. So, so how old were you at that time then? I was 20. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the question of what happens next? I mean, you yes. find yourself in this situation. Yes. And uh, did you immediately think, I think I'll go back home? Did you think, uh, I'm going to stay out here? Uh, what were your thoughts? Now you find yourself pregnant. What happens now? So my thought was, do I actually love him? Do I want to be with him for the rest of my life? And I... Yeah, I did. You know, it was, I mean, it didn't occur to me to not be with him, if that makes any sense. I was just like, oh, well, we're together now. And there was actually the one couple that was there, they kind of walked through that with us as well. You know, they sat down with us and said, okay, so what are you planning? Do you want to get married? Do you, you know, are you going to go home? Because obviously I couldn't stay there and expect to be on staff when I'm sure. pregnant and, you know, alone and not married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we decided that we were going to get married, it was, okay, so now as a married couple, we have to find people that are going to support us. And we actually thought about staying there at the camp. And then after, you know, just a couple of weeks, we just were kind of like, yeah, that's not going to work very well to try to be here um you know because then you have to find somebody that's going to support you hey we messed up and we're trying to do it right so we need your money so that we can stay here and mm-hmm. it just it did not make sense to try to do that um so then what happens did you make a move back to indiana at that point we did we were going to live here in indiana and through a series of events, he ended up moving back to Pennsylvania, and then about a month and a half to two months later, um, I moved out there as well. And then, yeah, we got married about a month after that. So, yep. yeah. So you then you said you had another child in the you know future and another mm-hmm. child. So you guys are kind of living life at that point. You yeah, kind we of were. settled a little bit. Yeah. In how long you were in Pennsylvania? Did you settle in Pennsylvania or you came back to Indiana at that point to settle a little bit more? We lived in Pennsylvania for four and a half years. Okay. So you kind of got settled so, into yeah. married life, so settled into family life mm-hmm. and all that. So you come back to Indiana mm-hmm. and you have the situation um, that Mike comes to you and he says, yes. I'm not for sure about all this. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not sure I love you anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, as you shared that on Sunday, there was a lot of, I think, I, I really um, saw your pain mm-hmm. come out in that moment of saying, you know, that's a weight. Yeah. Um, and so with that, what um, there was a lot of time after that that you shared about and I and I think on Sunday we kind of talked about that that your time kind of drove you into grief at first after he shared and he had left and then into a rebellion but this amount of time I don't I want our listeners to know is not just a month it's not just a couple weeks there was seven years of time between um, what was um, said to you at that moment when Mike said, I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to walk away. Mm -hmm. And then to the moment that he called you. And so let's talk a little bit about those, what happened during that time, a little bit more about your personal relationship with Jesus and how it developed Mm -hmm. and what, what was required of that? Because right now we said, like Chris said, it was a head knowledge. Yes. And it needed to become a heart knowledge. Yes. And God kind of took you down this road. Kind of go with us during this this uh, journey here. So that's a really broad time frame. Let me, yes. let me and, and I I really like that question. Let me ask this: You're three months pregnant. Uh, baby is born. When did Mike? When did Mike leave? So he told me that on Easter Sunday, and he did not actually officially move out until the very end of October. Okay. So he was there, and Jordan was born in. May. So there was a period of time where he was there, but not not really there. Um, And that was tough just to try to. So reality sets in. Yeah. Uh, It's October. You are the mom of three children. Yes. And now a single mom. Yes. Uh, What was that experience like those uh, October, November, December, those, those months? Scary. So scary. To try to figure out, and at the time, I was cleaning houses already. Um, when we had first moved to Indiana, it Mike did not have a job when we first moved. So I picked up a cleaning job from my mom. So we were living on $45 a week for the first month and a half that we lived in Indiana. And then he was able to find a job, you know, within that time. Um, but it was still that, you know, where am I going to get the money to live what am i going to do how am i going to take care of these kids you know um it's just overwhelming i think you know you share that ruth and i think that's every woman's thought when they come into a crisis in a relationship yeah because for a woman it doesn't change it doesn't change you have to support your kids you have to take care of that and you're thinking more about what's going to be on the table for dinner yes than yeah. what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. And there were a lot of times in those seven years that there was not dinner on the table. The kids always had food. I did not always have food. I drank a lot of tea. <laughs> so a hot flavored beverage makes you feel full. And tea is fairly inexpensive. So I was very small, very skinny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and during this time... Um, you had some people, I think, in your life, you know, you were aware of and um, kind of uh, cared about you. Were there people that came in and helped serve in those moments of, you know, lesser than um, yes. times? Yes. My mother, bless her heart, grows a garden 
and she cans a lot of food and I have I love it and so there was you know there was always that was there to fall back on um you know, when I desperately needed something, I could just be like, hey, mom, I'm coming over. I need to get, you know, a couple cans of food. Um, there were also times where there were, you know, friends of my mom's, aunts and uncles, friends that I met at church that would just randomly bring food over. You know, here you go. I thought about you. I bought you some food. Here you go. Um, so as far as that went, I felt like our needs, for the most part, were met. It was still, it was hard. It was hard um, to not know. You know, I had cleaning jobs, but I couldn't do too much of them because I had kids. So I can't work a full eight-hour day and never see my child. I don't know how moms do it. Moms that work a full eight-hour day, bless your heart, because whew, I struggle with that. Um because you were the the primary caregiver. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and I really I just wanted to be a mom. You know that was what I wanted to do. And so anything that took me away from that kind of made me upset. And I I struggled with the jobs because it took me away from my kids, and I didn't like that. I, I have to imagine that in that process too, like it, the opportunity for bitterness and anger in all of that. I mean, it's just really knocking on your door every single time that you have to make hard choices between, you know, work and children or, or where if, if the two of you were together, where if Mike were still in the picture, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a completely different conversation. Yes. Um, but now you're forced into having to make some of these just choices that you don't think you should have to make yes. like those decisions. And, as that's happening time and again, and, 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 you know, struggle is just regular and on top of you all the, all the time. That just feels like that would become a, a nearly insurmountable. I mean, I think just to look at it from the outside, a nearly insurmountable mountain of anger and bitterness and resentment and, and all of that, um, and so I think that's I, that's so that's part of I just want to kind of paint the landscape there a little bit and and see like how, how was that the way that you were feeling how yes. how were you and how were you managing any of those feelings in that in that time poorly <laughs> okay <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say it other than very poorly um, there was one time Michael was probably seven that's my oldest son and I was just mad about something that he had done and just was losing my cool and he i remember it was in the state road 19 house he was sitting at the top of the stairs on the landing and he just sat down on the top step and he looked at me and he goes mom i do not like it when you yell at me like that and when your child says something like that to you it stops you in your tracks and you're like um i think i might need to get a little better handle on this anger that is that it's just taking over and one thing that I had learned in when we lived in Pennsylvania there was just some bad stuff that was going on there and one thing that I had learned there and did not do well once we moved to Indiana but I had learned was to physically you know we're told oh take your things to God oh awesome Sounds good, but how does that look? 
And one thing that I had learned there was to physically take your hands, hold them in front of you open and tell God here, you know, it's, it's good to say here it is, but when you physically do that action, it is much more powerful than just, you know, I'm going to get down on my knees beside my bed and pray quietly in my head, Jesus, please take it. When you out loud physically, you know, do the actual physical action, it, it makes it much easier to to actually feel your heart changing a little bit. So I was going to ask that question just a little bit closer. So you are obviously upset. You're physically upset. You're, yes. you're um, personally upset with the situation you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. What role is God playing in this situation now? Have you more or less said to him, Lord, uh, I'm blaming you for this? Uh, is God playing any kind of role or factor in your life specifically at this moment? So this whole time, I was going to church. I was involved in that Bible study that Angie and I met at. I had a desire for God. I didn't know, like in the middle of my circumstances, I couldn't figure out how to to grab hold of that. Um, and like I said, God showed me in just small ways here and there, you know, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. And part of that was, you know, people would bring us food when we didn't. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to. I just put gas in my gas tank and I don't know how I'm going to buy groceries and we need something. Um, Part of that was women just loving on me, being my friend. And, you know, there was a time at church where there was a family that was sitting behind us and, and, I stood up after church and I picked up my purse and it had been sitting on the chairs and and I was like oh there's a there's some money laying in my purse and I was and I just looked at the lady and I said hey did you drop something and she just told me she said no I said God told me to put that to give that to you and if I had not seen it right away I I wouldn't have said anything and I just broke down and cried because there again God was like hey here's just a little bit of something to let you know I'm right here. You know, that's just, I just, for the listener that's hearing this uh, story right now, and you're sometimes that person sitting beside somebody that you may not know very much, and you just feel God nudge you, man, doesn't it make a difference when you obey and you do what God says? Because it changed you again. It changed, it was like multiplied because of that obedience in in your life. And so I just, I just want to point that out to the listener and we got to follow those nudgings that God gives us. And and Ruth, I think the other part that you shared, and this is kind of even earlier on, you know, after Mike had come to you and, and had said, I'm done. You know, you had mentioned on Sunday, you know, some key three relationships that you had. Yes. That you, I mean, and you were very clear. God sent these women to yes, me. He did. Um, t- tell us about what they did. Tell us about how the the posture that they took. Because I, I know so many times we hear people all the time, like, "Man, I, there's there's somebody in my life. I know they're struggling. I know they're in trouble. I just don't. I just don't know what to do." And mm-hmm. it can feel like a real like we have to kind of reinvent the wheel, or there's some sort of like secret science to how we can come up alongside of somebody. Your story, though, I think is helpful. Uh, in demonstrating how um, some simple acts and simple intentionality can make uh, make a difference, so so tell us about these these extraordinary extraordinary women. So, like I said, one of them, 
She just brought us into her home, into her life. She was just a friend. You know, she said, hey, we're going to go do this. Do you want to come with us? Um, There was an organization that they were a part of, and she invited me to come along and just be a part of that as well. It was a leadership organization. Um, You know, we're going to go do this. Come with us. And, you know, they had a babysitter for their kids, so have a couple more. And so she just invited us in. Um, There was another one that she very much, I mean, we would just sit and talk. And, you know, it was often at church, those Wednesday nights between when the meal was and when class started, you know, you had a while to sit and chat and there was... You know, she was definitely one that would sit there and chat with me. And every now and again, she'd say, hey, let's go get lunch or, you know, something like that. Just um, be a friend. Just sit and talk because we're women and we like to talk. So why not? Um, And then there was another one that was a Bible study leader. And she very much, you know, and there it's very focused on Christ and on the Bible. And, you know, all three of these women were Christians and when you are a Christian, Jesus leaks out. He just does. I mean, you said Sunday, we're like sieves. And that is to our detriment because we need a constant, you know, reminder. But it's also kind of a good thing because it, when it's leaking out of you, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And so when people are around you, it generally leaks onto those people. So, and that's, that's really what it was. They didn't do anything spectacular. You know, they were just, hey, we're going to sit and chat. And they shared parts of their stories. Um, They let me know some of the things that they were struggling with currently at that time. And the crazy thing was every now and again, it would be like, what do I do about this? And I would just look at them and think, do you know who I am and what I am doing right now? Because you do not want my advice in this. But still, they like they never treated me like I was some pariah that, you know, oh, we need to just hold her over here and, you know, not, not let her be involved. Like, you know, take care of her. But, you know, it was, I mean, they, they made me feel valued. And I desperately needed that because I did not feel valued just because of, you know, what Mike had said. That makes you... As a woman, to have your man say that to you, it's just, you think there's something, something must be wrong with me. I have no worth, no value anymore. And these women very much let me know you are worth something. And yeah, they were just there. They were there. And, and I think the part of the, and I, you may not have even had this thought at the time, but I, I'm wondering if it was sort of revealed to you in, an, in a kind of a mysterious and supernatural way. I mean, they are being the body of Christ to you. absolutely, And, and they are showing Jesus to you. You're, you're actually learning about a, a more of a, of a joy center. It was a conversation we had before we started recording. Um, I'm, I'm just very interested in, in the reality of, we have one of two ways of, of building relationship. Relationship yes. is either is fear-based or is joy-based. Mm-hmm. Those are the two ways that we connect to people or persons, and that's including God. 
And if you've started off with a fear-based relationship with somebody, it, the way you keep a fear-based relationship seemingly normal is just to follow rule, is rule following. Do, do, yes. the, do the thing, appease, keep the person happy, that sort of thing. Whereas joy-based is is really a, I know who I am in my in my person, who who God has created me to be. And I want, and because I know that, there is a joy that I find. Yes. And then that joy is also brought out in the fact when he sends me godly women or godly men or, you know, wh- whoever um, may be in our lives to, to sort of bring that out of us. And, and when, when the body of Christ acts on behalf of Christ, it's like it, it redirects us. And I, yes, I, I hear, I hear that so much in your story of, I saw God this way. He sent me these people. And then my whole mentality about what living, living for God, living in him could could look like and i think that's just that's one of the one of the really interesting things of it it created a necessary shift for you to actually yes. know god differently yes and one thing that i think we need to remember too these women were not perfect they had their own problems that they were talking about they had their own things that they were saying i'm struggling with this i'm you know this is and the funny thing was they were all married so occasionally it was yeah my husband did this and i'm really annoyed with him And, but still I got to see what it looks like to be a Christian in the middle of life. You know, like you said, it's not all just following rules. It's finding that joy and, you know, in the middle of times when I'm disgruntled or, you know, things are not going well, where do I find my joy? And they did a fantastic job at at showing that living it so after seven years of uh disconnection from your husband uh you and you had not so seven years of being separated you had not spoken in four correct he calls yes on a s- snowy December night at midnight, <laughs> which we were telling the story yeah. on Sunday, and I was like, "Does anybody else get this?" This that is the a twinkly hallmark. Likes, like, this is that. a hallmark movie. <laughs> hallmark yeah. moment. Yeah. It's a hallmark I just moment. wanted to tell you that because I was like thinking that on my mind on Sunday. <laughs> so, and so this begins the next chapter. This uh, begins the next chapter of the story. So, so we'll pick up there. Tell us, tell us what led him to make that call, and then what happened. So, he had been in relationship with another woman, and. Through the course of just nasty sauce happening, he ended up in a terrible situation where he literally had no bed. He was in a crack house. Like, you got nothing. You don't even necessarily have electricity because it's not really a good situation. And when you do that and you don't have food or a bed or really you've got the clothes that you own, God can talk to you. In a pretty powerful way. Mm-hmm. And Joel, you mentioned something on Sunday. You said in an instant, things changed. And I thought it was very, and you don't know this, but he told me one of the things that we talked about, you know, in the next couple of months of kind of, you know, just talking to each other, kind of reestablishing relationship. He said there was, it was like a switch flipped in his mind where God just hit him and said, by the way, this is your wife. 
you need a relationship with her. You need a relationship with me. Get it together. And it took him, I think, about a month after that settled into his mind to call me. And as he called me this morning and we talked for like an hour because why not? Mm-hmm. And he said it was just so wild to him that in that seven years, my phone number had not changed. And so he was able to contact me because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, during the course of events, your phone number changes occasionally, especially because cell phones and, you know, yeah. things go crazy. And he said that that kind of blows his mind a little bit that my phone number had not changed. It was still the same. And so he was able to get a hold of me. I answered the phone at midnight, which normally I would have been. It actually woke me up because I had been sleeping. And there we were, started talking. We had that first conversation. We talked for an hour, which I still don't understand. Um, in those seven years, God had been working very much, you know, and there had been at church one time there was a kind of an altar call. Uh, you know, what are the things that are weighing you down? Just come up and, and let us pray for you. And they had, you know, their whole elder team there. And and I went forward because I was just couldn't quite handle this anymore. And, um, you know, I was telling the lady that I was talking to kind of, you know, just a real quick synopsis of, you know, he's leaving. And, and this was very early on in, I actually think I was still pregnant at the time. So this was very early in that seven years. And this woman looked at me and she said, would you ever take him back? And my immediate response without even thinking about it was, yeah, if I knew that he changed and he loved Jesus. And boy, did I have to eat those words <laughs> because when he called me and we and I, I could tell that that very first conversation, I knew that something was different with him. I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was different. And over the course of the next couple of months, as we started talking, it very quickly became apparent to me that it was Jesus. And that was what was different with him. And I had to take him back because I had said it. God holds us accountable when we say things out loud. <laughs> you know, I think though, you're the this moment though that you see Jesus wrapped not only in um, him calling you in the moment of time in his time, God's time. That's yes. that's not our time. We all say that, you know. But I think we can see this in your story that it was God's time, a hundred and ten percent. But I think um, there's a side of this, Ruth, that what you just said is that, yes, you said those words, but you knew. And this is what um, Dan and I have talked about this. And those that are listening, you you stay true to your relationships, not just because of the person, yes. but because of your God. Yes. Because of your God. And you knew that if God had called you to stay married to him and God had worked in his heart, you would be faithful to yes. God and his call on your life. Yeah. And so, so Ruth, I just, I just commend you for that, commend you for that decision. And I, I also commend you for the waiting of, of knowing that in, when you said those words, maybe seven years, you didn't feel them then you knew Mm -hmm. that you didn't, but even, and then you probably didn't feel anything at that moment when he called you, you probably were in a little bit of like shock, correct? 
I just remember being a little like that quivery, shaky feeling that you get when there's a disturbance in the atmosphere around you and, you know, things just feel important. That was kind of the feeling. You know, you, I don't know, your heart's just kind of fluttery and so is your stomach and your nerves are all going crazy. And yeah. yeah. And you just trust the Lord that you're doing the right thing. (laughs) So conversations and interactions with your family, with you guys, one-on-one and so on, leads you actually to remarriage uh, again. So seven years later, you find yourself remarried. And this was now, you're, you're coming up on five years, is that correct? Yes, in March it's five years. Wow. And so talk to us about these five years. I, we're just married. It's <laughs> it's so crazy to hear that question because we're just, we're living our, we're living, you know, we're just being married. And the first couple of years were hard because you have to figure out how to be married again. And not only is it you two as a couple, but we have three children we're trying to figure out how Mike fits back into our family, trying to get the kids to respect him as their dad, trying to get me to respect him as my husband. And I'm very stubborn and bossy and just, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm in charge. And here's this other person that now, you know, as the wife, you're supposed to submit to your husband and he's got good ideas too. And I didn't always like it. <laughs> so for the first couple of years, that was pretty tough. Once we settled in a little bit and kind of, I got my head wrapped around the fact that this man's here and he's going to stay. Then it just started to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, he has a very weird sense of humor which I appreciate, and I'm a little on the crazy side. My goal every day is to get him to to laugh with that, like, kind of rolling your eyes because I don't want to laugh at you, but it's funny, so I have to laugh at you. That's my goal every day, to do something, whether it's, you know, I don't know, just just to say something off the wall. And sometimes I just say something and he thinks it's hilarious and he's like, I don't want to laugh at you, but I have to. Um, Sometimes it's intentional, you know, whether it's, like I said on Sunday, finding a funny meme, finding a funny video, just coming out, kind of doing a weird little dance in front of him and being like, hey, you know, how's your day going today? You know, just trying to, we just try to have fun with each other. So now you have a marriage that's based on Christ. Yes. As the center and the focus of your life. And, yes. and it's a big transformation. I mean, what a storyline really going from, uh, you, you mentioned it, sin, a mistake that was made, a poor choice that was made, uh, all the way through now three children, a separation, more sin uh, mm-hmm. involved, women coming into your life, making an impact on your life. You finally really bottoming out and saying, Lord, yes. this is... This is uh, this is all I have, but it's my life. I give it back to you, Mike. Coming back into the scene, a remarriage, and now you're living a life that's centered on Christ. You know, here we are at Advent talking about the topic of love. Uh, we talked offline just a little bit before we jumped on here. Uh, love is not always this feeling. Love is a commitment. And I love in the story uh, a picture of not just uh, the romantic side of love of a family, but really, at the same point, a pursuit of God 
in his love for you guys and redeeming love at that, but also a desire that you had to pursue after God. And that is ultimately love, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think sometimes we do um, often think that we have to feel that yes. lovey, no. that, you know, but, and, you know, we, we joked about the Hallmark movie, you know, like this whole yeah. phone call, but I'm sure there was so many emotions. It's actually sometimes the opposite of that feeling. It's actually kind of the bottoming out of your stomach, the, the worry, the, the insecurity, like mm-hmm. what you said that I had to get to this point to realize this guy's here to stay. And so yes. that, that, that has, that kind of love has to be grounded in Christ because yeah. Yeah. you can, like what you preached about, Joel, easily in marriage, get out a book. Yeah, keep- you've got a, that's the one biggest thing in marriage. Like, because we are living in such close proximity to each other and we're, we're like encountering each other so regularly, we can easily have, you know, the, the classic first Corinthians, uh, you know, chapter 13, you know, love no keeps no record of wrongs. And yet yes. married couples, how many lists of the record of wrongs do we have in our back pocket that we mm-hmm. that we take out in our in our worst moments in our arguments of not only am I gonna argue with you or fight with you about this thing, but all the other stuff that I've been holding on to, you know? And where you begin to realize, yeah, love is not just a feeling, it's not just yes. this emotion, but it is a it is a willed decision to bring Jesus into our relationship and to ask him uh, to, to guide the way, to, to pilot us through um, the relational thing. And, and I think that's what, I mean, uh, praise the Lord for the witness that you guys have in all of this. And uh, we, I, I just, when, when I hear it and I listen to it, I go, you know, the, first of all, we could easily have this be a, a, a hope, uh, an advent of hope message too, because I, I'm sure for for there's plenty of people that are that are hearing this that if not themselves know someone who you know we know the divorce numbers we know the I mean in in the church it ain't much but it's not any no. better actually. Yeah. Um, what from from your experience, what what does the church? What can the church do? What, what can we do better to support marriages, to encourage the kind of uh, I, encourage, encourage the kind of journey or the willingness to have the journey that you guys had? Because I, I get it, and and please hear me, listener. There are plenty of reasons. There are can be legitimate reasons why people separate, and if there, there's violence involved, abuse, these, these sort of things, I I recognize and understand that. In your case, where it's more of a I just don't know. I, I don't want to be in love with you, or I'm not in love with in love, quote unquote, in love with you anymore. I'm choosing not to love you anymore, and I want to go my my separate way. In that situation, what what would be the the counsel, the 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 encouragement that you would give to somebody who's uh, maybe in that situation or toying with the idea? I, I feel like people. I think people rest. I think they recirculate these ideas a lot before they make their decision. Like yes. I've talked with plenty of people who are like, yeah, it was a year, you know, it was a year before I told my wife that I didn't want to be with her anymore. And it's like, mm-hmm. Oh really? Okay. Wow. What would, what would be your, what would be your counsel? So if you are someone that is toying with the idea of, I don't know if I love my spouse, I don't know that I want to be here anymore. Put in some effort Get yourself the love dare, buy that, 
you know, it's a 40 day, do something every day. Um, do things that will make it feel like you are dating this person again. There will still be things that annoy you, but when you choose to focus on a way that I can give of myself to this person, you will find that person much less annoying. Um, Love is a choice. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, fluttery feelings, but you have to choose to do things for someone. You don't get to just, oh, well, they're not being, you know, they don't come in and be kind to me. So what? You do it. I think, though, Ruth, and I want to, I, I know these guys are thinking this. I want to go on the theology side, though, because I think that's exactly what God gives us. Yes. is a choice. Yes. And I think love, we have to understand that love comes from God. And when we fully understand what kind of choice that he's given us to love him, mm-hmm. it makes the understanding of loving somebody else a reality, I think, in our lives. Yes. And I think we have to to see that. And I, it's not our... Um, our journey with the, the where the culture says, oh, it's just a fleeting. I think you read some great quotes yesterday, Joel, that it's just love is lost. So in, in a it moment, comes, it, it goes. goes it, yeah. yeah. But yep. when we talk about when we talk about God's love, it never fails. But he yeah. const- it never fails. But we still have that choice. Yes. And we still have that choice. Ruth, I want to thank you for sharing your story today. As we begin to wind this thing down, I, I just love stories. And, and this is where I think the American church gets broken sometimes. We walk in a door, we see somebody in the lobby, we do the courteous, like, hey, how you doing? Nice. Hi. How's, how's life? Good. Okay, great. Carry on. We don't know people's stories. And there are a lot of stories to be told. We have in, in the church, I think, the need to begin to live in relationship in a deeper level with people because uh, I, I thought it was very fascinating. Ruth, I think it's one thing as I look at your family, I think it was one thing that was very easy for you to walk in on a side uh, row and slide into a pew and then maybe be able to slide out again. But I noticed something on Sunday. My observation was this. We said amen. And how many people just like came up and started talking to you? Yeah. All of a sudden, people knew your story. Yes. And it was like, wow, I can relate to her. This is where I think the church Churches in America are broken. We need to live in relationship enough to know each other's stories because there's power. And thank you, Ruth, for being vulnerable and and sharing your story. And there's no shame in a story. And I think that that's the part of the glorious, you know, divine idea of God's redemption in our lives. And that's what this, I think what you said, Joel, it's it's hope, it's love, it builds. Advent builds on each other to get us to this glorious moment that we actually have God with us. And he gives it to us every day. And so I just thank you, Ruth. I thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing and being open and being willing. So thank you. Thank you. And we're just in general psyched to have your family as part of our community. We, uh, we're just, we, I mean, I I think it's just been a really interesting uh, season that we've been in as a church as, as families are connecting Um, again, just pointing us to God, pointing us to Jesus. The more yeah. these we, stories that we hear, it's like, and that's the whole point. We're, we're here to encourage one another. And, and the way we do that is we share and we say, hey, can I tell you, I mean, this is the history of the church. Can I tell you the difference that Jesus has made? Yes. Um, and then like, oh, you too? And then you too? And then you too? And this, it builds into a, just a holy 
snowball of encouragement, <laughs> uh, a, a, a Jesus avalanche, if you will. Uh, a hallmark of heaven. Uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> the twinkling light yeah. and the snowfall. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> On a it's cold so December good. night. It's so good. So, uh, friends, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, we are, again, back uh, next week as well with our, with our, next, uh, with our next message. And uh, we just want to continue to share stories as we're going to. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Hope you can join us. Uh, but until next time, friends, we wish you uh, the grace and peace of this Advent season. We'll see you next time.